and hearing by the Word of God. You know, we can't, everything begins by hearing with faith, right? Hearing with faith. And so, you know, it's, it's God that gives us the grace, but we, grace is received through faith. It's, you know, you can't just say, well, let the grace come and I'll just sit here and wait for it. You have to receive it with faith. And the grace that God gave was what? Salvation. But we still, you can, every, you know, God has already died for everybody in the whole world. He's already paid for every sin that, that anybody's ever done. But we still have to what? Receive him by faith. We still have to believe. And so what I'm going to start with is, you know, the good old parable of the sower, because it's so rich. There's so many good things in there. And, you know, I don't know if I need to necessarily read the whole, the whole thing. I think we're pretty much familiar with it, but there's some key things in here that I would like to just, you know, bring to our attention. And, and if you, we all the way go down to, you know, the answers that Jesus gave the disciples, because, again, they were, Jesus marveled that they didn't understand. Um, he often did marvel that they, they couldn't understand the parables, and he often had to explain them to the, to the disciples. And... Uh, I'm sure he would have to explain them to me too. I'm not, you know, I'm not singling them out. Uh, you know, of course, the parable of the seed, again in verse 11, is the word of God. And it says, those beside uh, the road are those who have heard. And I, I, if you remember last time when I, when I shared, I talked about the fact that you know, there's nothing Satan can do to stop the seed from getting into our heart. Because you receive by faith. Satan can, has nothing against, you can't do anything against faith. That's why when we live by faith, there's really nothing the enemy can do. That's a, that's a powerful truth. But what happens after we receive the truth, that's, you know, that's a whole other thing. Because the seed is sown where? In our hearts. And the attitude and the, and the condition of our heart will determine what happens to that seed and whether it grows to maturity, as the word here says. Because... In verse 12, it says, they've heard the word, but what? The devil comes and steals it away. Now, why would the devil steal? How could the devil steal it away? Because it really, by faith, we didn't allow the seed to become planted as truth in our hearts. You know, there's a lot of people who can hear the word, you know, and they go, you know, but to really activate that word, it has to be established as truth. It has to be established as truth. Some of us will go, oh, I'm not so sure I believe that. Oh, well, yeah, that's, yeah. You know, we, we've all had, been through that place, right? But when we know that we know that that word is truth, then that word gets planted, and the devil can't steal it away. Now, there's some in verse 13 then, those uh, on the rocky soil are those whom they hear and receive it with joy. And I think we've all been in these places, right? But because they don't have any firm root. In other words, there's not the establishment of, of the real um, walking out of the maturity of that word. And so they believe for a while, but when temptation comes, and who brings temptation? The devil, right? The devil's the one who opens the, you know, temptation to us, and we, the, we have the opportunity to, you know, to walk through that door of temptation or to say, no, I'm going to trust the word. And the thing is, if that root, if the root of that word is not established and say, you know what, no, I'm not going to do it, then we're what? We're susceptible to that temptation. And he says, when you do that, what happens? You mean, of course, you're not going to produce, right? You're not going to produce what God has called us to produce. The seed will be taken away. And other seed fell among the thorns. 
Now, this is a huge one, right? And, of course, the thorns refers to uh, the things that choke away. I mean, you know, when you choke away, it's a slow process. It's not something that happens immediately. Um, it just kind of it chokes the, 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 the actual the air or the ability for that word of God to, to really mature. And that's exactly what he talks about because it's the worries, the riches, and the pleasures of life. It says brings no fruit to maturity. Doesn't mean that you didn't produce. Doesn't mean that there hasn't been fruit. It just means that there hasn't been the opportunity to really produce it to maturity. It's not ripe. You know, there, I don't know about you. If you've ever bitten into an unripe, you know, whatever, you know, unripe peach or an unripe, you know, it's not that great, is it? It's way better when you allow it to produce to fullness. You know, that peach one is just dripping with juices and it's mm. completely ripe tastes a whole lot better than one that isn't ripe. And the thing is, the worries, the cares of this world, and seeking pleasures will, will completely keep us from becoming all that God has called us to be. It'll keep us from growing to maturity. doesn't mean we won't be effective in certain things and doing things okay, but, you know, the, the good is the enemy of the best. And God has called us to, to say, you know what, we need to throw away, throw aside everything that hinders us and keeps us from growing to maturity. But in verse 15, we see that the seed that falls on good soil, good soil means what? A heart that is uh, honest, an honest and good heart. Now, that's something we should be able to evaluate, right, in our own lives. Do, we, do you have, do I have an honest and good heart? In other words, is my heart, um, you know, open to the, completely open to the things that God says? When God says do something, am I going to do it? Am I going to respond? Am I going to be quick to confess when I've sinned and fallen short? Am I going to, you know, uh, give, give my heart, give my lives to others? Am I going to lay down my life for my brothers? Um, these are the kind of things. That's a good heart. So a good heart, and it says also to hold it fast. What does that mean? It means to not let go. You know, when the cares of this world come, when the temptations come, you hold to the word. You don't say, you know what, well, maybe the word really isn't true. Because sometimes, you know, you're not going to see fruit, you know, right away. I'm going to go into this in a little bit. It takes time for things to press on to maturity. But you've got to hold to it. Stick, hold to the word. And then what happens is that you bear through, uh, fruit through what? Perseverance. It's not simple. It's not a simple, you know, perseverance is what? Take, it means time. There's time involved in perseverance, right? There's sometimes, there's, there's obstacles often involved in perseverance. There's trials involved in perseverance. And we need to seek those, not seek them, but allow them to, uh, for the fruit to become to uh, completion in our lives. Let's go on to the next scripture here. Um, you know, this is an interesting passage, again, dealing with plants. And let's read it together. It says, and he said, how shall the picture of the kingdom of God, uh, how shall we picture the kingdom of God? Or by what parable shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the soil, though it is the smallest, smaller than all the seeds that are upon the soil, Yet when it is sown, it grows up to become larger than all the other garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. 
It's another great analogy of a, you know, a plant, right? A mustard seed. Mitch has brought mustard seed in before, and he's shown you how small it is. And, of course, in the garden, because it's a garden plant, we're talking about things that produce in a garden. Not, I'm not talking about oak trees or things. You know, that's on a garden tree or a garden plant. But a mustard plant, interestingly enough, I, I, I did some research on this, that it grows, uh, you know, it, it, it grows up to 20, 25 feet in size in three years. So it goes from this tiny little seed to a huge tree in three years and is able to produce shade and everything. You know, we think that, oh man, to produce maturity, I mean, it's going to take our entire lives to become, you know, be able to be used by the way that God wants us to be used, you know, for the kingdom of God. And that's, it's clearly, he's using this parable to explain what the kingdom of God is like. So that's clearly not the case. You know, we think, oh man, am I ever going to become what God wants me to be? Well, yes. If we put our heart to the things that God's called us to be, it's not going to take a lifetime. It really is clearly saying that here. That we can become, you know, all that God has called us to be to produce a harvest in, in a really a relatively short period of time. Now, that's, that's, to me, that's, that's big. All right, let's go on to the second one. We're running out there again. Relationship to impart, nourish, which is, means to nourishment. So it's relationship. Now, I don't want to steal the thunder of the connection groups, but it's important that we understand that without one another, without relationship, that we really can't become all that we are called to be. Because let's look at the scripture here. It says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So when neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. And in Colossians 2, and it says, And not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth, which is what? From God. Again, that Colossians scripture is referring to the body. We cannot grow to what God has called us to grow alone. It requires one, it requires the whole body. We will never become all that God is destined for us, unless we are connected to one another. It's just the way God has purposed it, because God is into relationships. I'm going to skip over the next thing, and I'm going to invite Kim up right now to, uh, to share something. Is Kim here? Kim Steig? Yep, there she is. Okay, I wrote notes, and I'm going to kind of read it from this to keep okay. not all over the place <laughs> and succinct. So I, I listened to the Joel meeting from home. Woohoo, sound team, yay. Yeah. <laughs> Nursing moms, that was really awesome to be able to hear it all. So in hearing that, um, I was really excited about the three groups and especially about growing. I really love growing. God's put that in my heart. I love to see other people grow. I love the body growing. I love to see growth in my own life. And when I heard about the survey, I thought, wow, that is a great resource. But then I also thought, uh-oh, just for myself personally, because sometimes I can be a little bit too self-reflective, so I was thinking and praying about that some and what to share. Um, let's see. And, and so I'm not saying examining yourself is wrong, but just um, for myself, sometimes I can get stuck in self-reflection, mm -hmm. and then it becomes an inward focus instead of a God focus, and then it misses the freedom and the encouragement and the joy of looking to Jesus. So that was, I just wanted to encourage us in that today. So 
definitely for me, I have in the past been in a place of striving, and that can end up being in a place of disappointment because I don't see growth because I'm looking at myself instead of the Lord. Um, so I wanted to touch on not growing, uh, sorry, not growing with striving, but growing with participating, with co-laboring, um, and growing in freedom, joy, anticipation, and rest. And the two verses that, um, or two sections I wanted to share are Galatians 3 and Romans 8. And these are from the message, and it's kind of an excerpt. But um, so the gist of three is when he's talking about beginning in the spirit, not continuing in the flesh. So he says, you crazy Galatians, did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened. For It's obvious you no longer have the crucified Jesus clear in the focus of your life. Um, how did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God, or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue in this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. And That's then good. Romans 8. Um, sorry. Just a couple excerpts from that. It says, Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open into a spacious, free living. Um, the best thing to do is to... Oh, sorry, I'll skip that. God's Spirit beckons us. There are things to do and places to go. The resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are father and children, and we know we're going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. So I just wanted to close with um, kind of a brief story of how this plays out in my own life right now. So Nels and I, um, well, we're new parents again. We have a newborn, and we just recently found out that we have to move, um, which was a bit unexpected. We've been running a house for seven years, and our landlords have been living on a sailboat, and they told us they want to move back in, and we have to be out by November. So um, I'm like, whoa, that's... That's a lot to move. Uh, we have a lot of stuff because we've been there for a while. But um, it's more than just a physical move. It, it prompted a lot of reflection, which I, in this part, it's been good. So we've been thinking about family goals and vision and what we're believing about ourselves and the Lord and, and this situation. And, um, this, and I'm just happy to testify of so much grace in my life um, that Nils and I, um, if you don't know us, we're people with Benjamin. We bought four strollers and took a month to evaluate them to see which one we wanted. <laughs> Thank you, Amazon Prime, for free shipping and returns. <laughs> but um, So we really want to make the right decision, and we're not really fast movers. And, um, <laughs> and we want to hear God, and sometimes I'm scared that I won't. But I, I, want, I want to see that I've been encouraged by the Lord and by the body and... Um, believing in my heart that I can rest in God in this situation and that it's not just about asking him what's the right house or where I should go, but about the question, am I delighting myself in the Lord and where's my heart? And um, that for me, that's growth, that, that God is gentle and loving in my heart. And I just wanted to close what we prayed with Tom and Ingrid last week. And Ingrid um, just shared something about looking at this as a God adventure. And that's really helped me a lot in my perspective. And I was thinking about that and I thought, you know, why am I not thinking about every day as a God adventure. You know, when I'm even with, you know, with Elise and Benjamin, it's not necessarily glamorous, but it's sweet, and, and, and looking for a, a God adventure with that. So growing without striving, growth that rests in him and responds to him, partners with him and the body to reaching out alongside to walk with us. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Really good. Thanks, Kim. That was great. You know, when I think of... Uh, 
striving, um, there's a really cool verse, and it might, Amy, it might be up there. Next one, please. Yeah, look at this scripture. It says, consider the lilies and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. You know, toil there, is, it actually literally means to be weary from labor. You know, how many of us get weary from labor? If I asked you to raise your hands, I'll bet I'd get a lot of hands, right? It, ha- it happens. We get weary. But, you know, Lisa, don't, don't be wearisome. Like, like Kim said, look at it as an adventure, an opportunity. Rick always likes to say, look at, instead of looking at it as a problem, look at it, what? How? As an opportunity. And the word, the spin there, you know, for years and years, I never could understand what it meant, like, to spin. They don't toil or spin. And then the Lord showed me what that meant. If you've ever seen um, a, a series of or photography, time-lapse photography of a plant, and it, well, what happens is it follows the sun during the day. You know, it, and, and if you look at it over a whole, like a season, it very quickly, the plant will do this. That's how it spins. Well, he's saying that the lily doesn't do that. It is so assured in who he is, it is, that it just grows, what, straight. It's confident in who he is. It doesn't toil. It doesn't care about, you know, where the sun is in the sky. It knows it's going to be where it's supposed to be. You know, that's just confidence in knowing who you are. That's a really cool picture, isn't it? And, and in Galatians 6, 9, that might be up there too, um, no, it's not. Never mind. It says, let us not lose heart in doing good, but in due time we will reap if we do not, what, grow weary. So, like Kim said, let's not strive. So, another important aspect is that we get to partake, you know, with one another's growth process. When we walk in loving relationships with one another. And I get really excited when I see measured growth in others. I remember, I'm going to pick on Mitch here, but I remember that um, there was a uh, a men's encounter, maybe about a year ago, maybe a little more. And when you came back and you had to share on Sunday, and you had shared about how God delivered you, and I don't even remember what it was, but you probably remember what I'm talking about, where you had this tremendous, where you got, you just deliverance. And it was so, the growth, and the, the God was so over, all over you, and it was so evident that God had changed you completely. I mean, it was just beautiful. And, you know, and that's the thing that's so cool about, you know, cheering on one another when we see growth. And I'm going to invite Jim up. I know that Jim wants to talk about, you know, participating in each other's growth, I think. I think that's right. Is that right? It's kind of, sort of. That's close enough. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, apply a Heisenberg's uh, uncertainty principle, you know. Um, it, it's a little different when it comes to preaching. The, the more that you think you know what you're going to talk about, the least likely you know, you know what you're actually going to talk about. Um, but I do want to talk about the diversity of growing in a body. Um, um, in uh, Genesis 1.27, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. There's a bunch of things here. Number one, he's making male, man in his image, and he makes a male and female. So you look at a male, look like a female, and you're, well, they don't look a lot alike. <laughs> well, you see the, the fullness of the image of God is manifest in the diversity of the differences, not just with two people. Now, you take the hundreds in this room, the fullness 
of the image that God invested to us, at least it's as our portion is manifested in each person. Uh, we get into trouble, you know, um, if we try and act like the other person to our left or our right. Um, not only because we're not made to be like that person, but it's not the image we've been entrusted with to grow into the fullness of. Now, the second thing I want to point out is when we look at man and women, we don't see, well, they don't really look like God. They don't really seem to act like God. You know, they're immature, they're fallible to temptation, and there's strife, there's conflict. And what we see with Adam and Eve when they're made in the image of God, they're not made in the mature image of God. And as um, Tom, I think, already read, and was it uh, Mark 4.30, the kingdom, Jesus says, we can liken the kingdom to a mustard seed. The principle of the kingdom of mustard seed is when God does something big, he starts small. You know, and so we bear the seed of the image of God and to see actually the fullness of the image of God as we're called to reflect it. You know, it takes maturity. And so we have this job, as seeds come in the door, we need to cherish the seed in its uniqueness and its vulnerability and also in its immaturity. It's okay to come and to start immature, right? I, I found that all growth starts with immaturity. Have you found that? Um, and all personal growth starts with being where you are and really as immature as you are. We need to cherish people as they walk in the door. And, and I think as we were passing out mustard seeds like a year and a half ago or a year, whenever that was, they're really small, and they're easy to overlook, and they're easy to lose, and so we need to be careful, you know, to cherish the uniqueness of each mustard seed, um, but we need not to be content that they stay seeds, and this is the growth thing, is we need to grow into the fullness of the likeness, of, right, of God. Um, otherwise, we just have a bunch of really cool, neat seeds that could potentially show God's image that never fully do, um, and as we've already seen um, I, I was scrambling for new scriptures because Tom had already read all the ones I was going to quote, <laughs> um, which is really, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> it's really good. Um, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 3.18, um, we see this process that happens, right? With unveiled face, we're reflecting his nature, right? And then we're transformed that same image from glory to glory to glory. So there's this growth process. But it happens that I reflect part of God's image and you reflect part of God's image and we get we, we, kept, we catch glimpses of that nature, and then we're transformed. And that's the process we go from seed to where we end up in Ephesians 4, which we already saw, right? The measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. Well, how on earth do we get there? Well, we provoke each other by reflecting his image, and we grow into the maturity of Christ. Now, your personal responsibility is to make sure the image that we're supposed to reflect here in dwelling place isn't me- missing your unique reflection. And that's why your job is not to look like Mitch or Tulio or Tom or Mark or, you know, it's, you might get a glimpse in them and in the word they're speaking that, you know, stirs on that faith, you know, how you're a little like them, you know, in the ways that they're like Christ. And as Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Um, And so we can catch glimpses, particularly if we see maturity in someone else that we're called to, we don't have yet. But your job isn't to grow into them, it's to grow into the fullness of the stature of yourself, right? And that, that is what we're being provoked towards, and that's what I'm looking for. What I'm looking, just as a minister of the gospel, my, I'm excited about seeing the bride of Christ. I haven't seen her yet. I've seen bits and images and pieces. I feel like I've been corresponding with Christ's bride, and, and I know her from her letters, but I, I haven't seen her full image yet. And that's what we're looking for to manifest, the mature, you know, the mature fullness of, of the bride of Christ. That's good, Jim.
It's really good. Thank you. And just to reiterate, you know, it's, remember, Apollos watered, right? And so we are to water one another. You know, we, the seed grows because we have each other. It just doesn't magically grow. You know, at our house this summer, yesterday or this weekend, was the, really, the first real rain we had all summer at my house. I mean, all the storms would pass by, and we would get nothing. My, my ground, you know, the grass was crunchy. It was, it was dead. I mean, crunchy. I haven't mowed, you know, I've mowed once in the last six weeks. And, but the point being is what, it takes water. You know, and we have to, we're responsible. God's called us to be each other's water, nourishment. You know, when we think, people say things that touch our hearts. But just like this morning, that Bethel song just really ministered to me that, you know, wow, Jesus really has conquered death. That's so exciting. It just really, really ministered to my heart. You know, it, it takes what? It takes the body. That's, what it, it's, that's the purpose. It's just so exciting to me. All right. On to the third truth here. Let's go on to the next one. Um, Amy? Ah, here we go. The third thing is, is, is trust. You know, we have to trust in order to really produce the bountiful harvest. Um, you know, we've come to a place, you know, where we have to allow the Lord to lop things off in our lives. Um, let's go on to the next scripture. It says, look at this. I mean, and this is really big because, you know, we get to the point where, oh, I'm finally producing fruit. And all of a sudden, Jesus wants to come and go lop it off, you know. <laughs> you know, and that's like, wait a minute, Lord, you know. But speaking the truth, what in love, we're to grow up in all aspects of him. Well, that's not the scripture. Next one. There's another. Yeah, this is the one. But every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And here, that's the thing. You know, you go back to the parable of the sower, the first two things, there was no fruit being produced. I mean, the, it, it, that's a scary thought, right? If we're not producing, we, you know, let's just, well, lop it off altogether. It, it, throws, it actually takes it away. But every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it can be, what, bear more fruit. And we, it's important that we get our cognizant of this, and it takes trust. We have to trust Jesus. You know, we're, we're, we're to the point where, you know, where it's, and we think, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm doing something. And the Lord's saying, well, I want you to do something else. But, but I'm being productive here. Well, yeah, but I'm calling you to do something more. And sometimes we just have to what? We have to trust God. That what he says and what he has for us is better than what we know, than what we're, we're, we see, the fruit that we know we have. What he has is bigger. And so we have to trust him. So, you know, that, is, that, that can be a difficult thing. All right, let's go on to the next one. And the fourth thing, let's next keep going. Oop, no, back, back up, back up. There should be a fourth. Go back up. There's not a fourth. I must have forgotten it. I don't know what happened to it. Okay, there's a fourth thing here. Um, it says, well, the fourth thing is that love provides the environment for growth. You know, that is so important because we need a safe environment. You know, Jesus said, you know, it, that he was going to allow the tares to grow up with the good plants. Do you ever think about that? In other words, there's always going to be weeds amongst us. Now, hopefully the weeds aren't in our, in our church, but they certainly are in our lives. Whether they are in our workplace, they can be in our families, you know. But, you know what, we're going to face that. We're going to deal with, you know, people that, you know, kind of will want to choke us out, choke life out from us, because that's what weeds want to do, Right? Take this nourishment, take the water. They seem to grow faster. Go, what, Lord, what's going on? Why is that guy getting you know, promoted and not me? 
That's the kind of thing. You know, that's the weed going, you know, and we're going, Lord, what, what's the deal? But, you know, when we're in a loving, safe environment in the body of Christ, um, it, it's, a, it's a safe place. In Ephesians, I think that Amy had it up there, but speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects of him which, who is the head, even Christ. So I'm going to invite Chris up next because I think he wants to talk about, you know, the church, you know, being part of a, a structure of living stones. Where, is Chris here? Hello. Hey. Sorry, that was me. Was that a sneeze or was that me? Oh, was that you? Okay. Wow. That's amazing. Um, you know, no, actually, as we were worshiping, it was amazing. Um, two things that actually kept going through my mind were living and active. You know, that uh, his word is living and active, right? Sharper than any two-edged sword. And that's, that's a cool thing, because when we talk about matters of the heart and cutting things out and him forming us, that's an important part of it. And um, actually, I'll, I'll cut out a lot of the scripture that I have, because between Tom and Jim, most <laughs> of it was actually in there. <laughs> yeah, it is awesome, isn't it? I love that. Um, but actually, back to... Uh, the first Peter 2 passage in, in Living Stones. And, um, and I'll skip the first part of it, but it says in uh, verse 4, And coming to him is to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable God to God through Jesus Christ. And it says, For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone. And then it goes on to say, for they stumble because they're disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. But it says also, you were a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And, um, and, and the important thing about this is when I look at these scriptures and I think of living stone, I see, one, the cornerstone, and apparent in that entire building is a foundation, right? Who is Jesus? And, and I'll read the other scripture you know, where the apostles actually have built the foundation on Jesus, who was the cornerstone. Um, but we are the living stones then that make up the building. And I did a little research on forming and like stone cutting. And I found at least, it was 10 different like instruments that they use, you know, to, to cut, to form in different ways, to, with different purposes and things of that nature, which is where this scripture came in. And it made me think of Ephesians 4, 15, or is it 15, 16? But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects. Because each one of those instruments does a different thing to form the stone to fit together, right? And the cool thing about a relationship is that, that God, in forming me, is doing that independently of you, right? But he's forming us in a way that we're together. And that's cool. And that's an amazing thing to think about because... 
you know, he is doing it independently of, um, he's forming me independently of Mitch. But we walk together. Right? The closer I walk with God, <laughs> the closer I walk with Mitch, if he's walking closer with God. And that's cool. So, hmm. So we're chiseled, we're, we're etched, we're formed as stones, and his word does that as we allow it to transform our hearts, right? So and I guess actually the end part of that being having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building is being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God and the Spirit. Right? So, I think that's it. Great. Thanks, Chris. It's awesome. Good job. Thank you. You know, speaking the truth in love does not mean that we um, hear what we want to hear, it's but, but we hear what we need to hear. You know, and if our lives are walking in a contrary way to the Word of God, we need to hear truth, and that truth is going to rub that thing in our life that's going the other direction in a bad way, right? So it, it, the truth in love is not necessarily uh, compatible with comfort in nice things. It can be really a tough place to hear that sometimes. But, but again, he's talking about fitted together in what? The body of Christ. We need each other. If we're going to become the, the, the building, the temple of the Lord, um, it takes one another. And understanding what our place is, right? In each, in each, as it fits together. That's really critical. So because the church needs to be a safe place, it's also a place then where we can dream. Where, we, uh, where the Lord you know, puts dreams and, and hopes in us that we can you know, you, uh, just hear one another out and say, Here's, I have this great dream. And, and you know Rick's heart is to see people's dreams fulfilled. I mean, you think of the, the rock was really birthed out of someone that had a, a dream, right? And we did that out of that dream. So I, I've asked Janelle to come up next because she wants to talk about dreams. So are you living the dream? You know, how you say hi to people, how are you? Well, I'm living the dream, you know. What does that really mean, you know? Um, to some people it might mean, you know, they've got houses and cars and all this money in the bank and stuff. But to me, it means living out the dreams that God's put, you know, in my heart and the purposes and plans, what he's put me on this earth to do and to walk out. So have you ever had a dream from God, like a huge vision in your heart, and you've seen yourself doing something really beyond yourself, and you've thought, what are you thinking, God? I can't do that. Like, I'm too old, or I'm too young, or I don't know how to do that, or they might think I'm really stupid, or dumb, or I'll probably mess up, or, um, or how about this, ladies? I'm a woman. I can't do that, right? Um, or it's too late, you know, I tried it once and it just didn't work out very well for me. But then when you really think about it, you just think, gosh, if only oh, I could do that, I would love to do that. But, you know, hey, I'm, I'm too old, I'm too young, and blah, blah, blah. Um, 
What about Joseph? You know, you think about dreams in the Bible. We think about Joseph, right? So he had a dream. He had a literal dream, and it was a pretty big dream. And he goes and he tells his brothers about this dream. I'm like, why did he do that? <laughs> what was he thinking? Because <laughs> in the dream, right. his brothers are bowing down to him. I'm like, yeah. but maybe he was thinking, oh, man, this thing is huge. I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. This, is, this couldn't be about me. I'm too young, you know, or whatever. And so maybe he went to his brothers to say, find out, you know, what their interpretation might be, what they might think. Maybe they had a, you know, maybe they could encourage him or something. But, of course, we know that didn't happen. And, but even in the places where he was a slave and he was in prison, he was still growing that dream in his heart, wasn't he? He didn't shut it down. He didn't get into those places and say, well, too late now, I'm, I'm a slave. I'm in prison. Oh, well, I guess that wasn't God. And just shut it all down. No, he kept doing what was just in his heart to do. It was just in, it was in him to interpret dreams. It was in him to organize and manage. And he just did what was in him. And, of course, you know, we know the end of the story there. Um, so maybe you, I've had a lot of people say to me, I don't know what my dreams are. I don't have anything special, you know. I just, you know, there's... There's no talents there. There's no big vision. But I just disagree with that. I don't believe that. I, I believe every single person in this room has a dream from God. You have talents, right? You have something God's put in you to walk out on this earth while you're here. And um, maybe you just don't know what it is yet. Anybody here ever see the movie Rio with the blue macaw? I know I love Rio. So... <laughs> There's this blue macaw, and his name is Blue, right? And he, he's living in a bookstore with his owner because he was kidnapped as a young little birdie out of his place in the jungle. And he doesn't remember that. He doesn't know who he really is. He's happy living in the bookstore with his owner. They have a lot of fun. But he doesn't even know who he is. He doesn't know that he's a blue macaw, one of two in the whole world. And uh, eventually he finds that out, and he ends up back in Brazil, and he meets Jewel, the other blue macaw, who is so beautiful. And anyway, and he's um, a bunch of other birds and their friends, and he's telling them, look, I don't know how to fly. And there's lots of situations where he really needs to fly, but he's like, I don't know, I never learned how to fly. And they, they say to him, but you're a bird. You, you, you know how to fly, you're a bird. And he's like, no, I, I don't know. I mean, lots of birds don't fly. There's the ostrich, and there's the... And uh, Jewel will say to him, but you're not an ostrich. You're a macaw. You can fly. So eventually he does fly. And it's so cool at the end of the movie, um, the last thing he says is, see, I'm not an ostrich. I can fly. You know, it's so cool. There's a bird in the movie that keeps telling him, it's not about what you believe in your head or what you think in your head, he says. It's not about what you think in your head. It's what you feel in your heart. And he keeps telling him that. And he's you know, reading books about flying and trying to figure it all out. He's all up in his head about it. But until he really just steps out in who he is, good. you know, so then he learns to fly because he's just coming from his heart. And I think that's what everybody's saying today, you know. Um, he was created to fly. That's what he was designed to do. And sometimes we're like blue, aren't we? We're like, I don't really know what I'm created to do. You know, I don't really have big dreams. Um, sometimes we need the body around us, just like everybody's been saying. And we need somebody to speak into us like they spoke into Boo. Like, you're a bird. You can fly. You know, it comes from your heart. 
And um, we just need people speaking that over us and um, coming alongside of us and, and teaching us how and mentoring us. And uh, we really need that. And we need you. We as the body need you to live your dream because that really adds to us and it brings us life. You know, at the end when Joseph's brothers came before him and they were actually bowing down before him, that dream was fulfilled, what did Joseph say to them? He said, um, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present truth and to preserve many people alive. I bet you his brothers were awfully glad that he was living that dream in that moment because it meant life to them. I bet they were pretty happy. Um, I ran across this quote the other day. It's just really it's powerful. I don't know who Howard Thurman is, but anyway, <laughs> he said, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go and do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. We need you to come alive. We need you to fly. We need you to be who you're created to be. And, and we're here to help. The body's here to help. That's what the fivefold ministry is for, right? And I don't think it's part of our plan to sell them to slavery or right. throw them. Yeah, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, you've got at least one talent, right? That's what that parable of the talents is all about. We've all got something. And I often feel sorry for that poor guy that buried the talent. And I think, I wonder sometimes, maybe he just didn't know what to do with it. Maybe he was thinking, hey, I'm too old, I'm too young, I don't know what to do, I can't do this. And maybe he just needed to go to learning to live or something or <laughs> ministry training. He needed somebody to speak into him, maybe, and come alongside of him. And we all need that, don't we? But we need... All of us need each one of us to be living our dream. And so I just encourage you um, today, this is, um, this, is, this is something that my boss said to me recently I wanted to share too. They, they were th thinking about taking their kids to um, Disney World, and they kept thinking, oh, I don't know, we don't have enough money, is this the right time, Should blah, 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 blah. And then her husband finally said, but what other life are we going to live to do these things? What other life are we going to have to do, go do these things with our kids? And that just really stuck with me, you know. And every time I start to think, oh, gosh, I'm too old or, you know, I can't do this or can't do that. And I have these dreams in my heart. And I'm like, how's that ever going to work? Wait a minute. What other life am I going to live to do these things, right? Um, and in case you are thinking that you're too old, I am, have just started a new coach training program. So if I can start something new and I'm older than I look, just so you know. <laughs> So can you, and I mean, Bev here is going off to live a dream, you know? So that does not wash, um, no matter how old you are. And I just th wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> so you can be and do the things that are in your heart. It is possible, because God wouldn't put them there if they weren't. So I just want to encourage you to go and do what makes you come alive, okay? Get out of that bookstore and start flying. Good. Just go live your dream. Awesome. Thank you. And again, you know, the body of Christ is a safe place, what, to share your dreams. I mean, some of you have got dreams you've been, I think, afraid to share with others because you think they're either so crazy or, you know, wild or whatever. 
But this is a place where, you know, we want to encourage you and, and so that you can live your dream, as Janelle so eloquently spoke. All right, with the, just a few minutes, I would like to, let's go on to the next. Um, you know, we've been talking about, you know, growth. But what are the, some of the practical things that we're, we would want, you know, that are going to come out of this? Because that was another thing that we, we want to be able to implement some practical things that have, you know, come out of all these meetings. We, so, um, is there one before this? I just want to, yeah, this is our, our growing team. I just want to, you know, put kudos out to everybody that really helped with the growing team process. And so I'll just throw those names up there. And it, we can go on to the next thing. Okay. So we came up with two short-term goals. And basically what we can do now, and now means you know, over the next year or so, maybe even longer, and then some longer-term goals. And, and I put them up there because I'm not really going to talk about them, but developing mentors and coaches, that's a big thing. Um, so that at each process of our growth stage as we're growing, that there's people that we can, you know, we can turn to and help, to help us understand and help us to grow. Uh, and then curriculum certification has to do with the Learning to Live series. We believe that ultimately we want to have some kind of a certification. Just like the Regen program guys, you know, how important is it for you when you, know, when you finish something that you're, you're really proud of, you know, that you've worked, you know, you've given your life for that to, to be, get set free. And, and same thing with, you know, when you've gone through these you know, these courses, you know, it's, it's a sign, you know, I'm ready, I can minister, I, you know, I'm, I'm ready to roll here. So anyway, so let's go on, and, uh, ah, you did manage to do that, good job, Amy, Woohoo! All right, um, so anyway, I just want to just throw this up here, because it kind of is an overview of what we see, you know, so we go from the bottom, you know, you new believers, you can see their level there, the growing, and then maturing into fathers and mothers, and so we have the, the, the learning to live classes. And then we're not going to be limited to this. I believe there's other things that we can add. There's, uh, you know, there's the finances. And there's, of course, Ron likes to do art classes. And there's a lot of other opportunities for classes. But, you know, we start with the four Ps and first things first and so forth. And we move up into, you know, uh, renewing the mind, flesh patterns, strongholds, those kind of things. And then ultimately into the maturing the courtroom of heaven, mercy and grace, ministry training, those kind of things, okay? And so the mentoring process, and again, that's a long-term thing that we hope to implement, would be, you know, mentoring for newborns and then growing, what we call growing coaches and maturing coaches. And we don't really have a full vision yet in how these, these people will be raised up and trained. I think that maybe out of ministry training, but we're still formulating that. But the important, one of the important aspects we got out of all of this, too, is to go from more of a passive sit-back to a more active learning philosophy, you know, where we go from, like, you know, new believers are being fed to where we, are, we can feed ourselves, you know, where we're sustainable. Like the lily, you know, it knows its confidence. And where we're then ultimately where we're feeding others. And remember, I had talked, asked the body about the gifts. How many of you know what your gifts are? Well, it's important that we identify our gifts and talents, right? And then to go from that to learn how to use them, and then from there to help others discover their gifts and talents. And that's ultimately, you know, kind of the pattern to, of, of growing in the body of Christ. So let's move on to the next slide. So one of the first things we want to be able to do is to develop a web-based self-assessment survey. Remember, test yourselves. Remember the yardstick thing? And so we're, we're getting a team together 
to help uh, put you know, questionnaires together so that we can start doing self-assessment. Where we are, you know, it would be like on a semi-annual basis. And sometimes these questions would focus on different topics, maybe on connection, maybe, you know, just specifically on growing. And, and just, it's an evaluation. So that you can look and say, Lord, am I really, if you're really being honest, am I, am I growing? You know, it's a self-test. Test yourself, all right? And it also will allow the leadership then to see where needs maybe are not being met or where people feel that you know, something might be amiss. It'll give us an opportunity to evaluate the body as a whole. Okay, next. Um, another facet of this first goal is to develop uh, even course-based assessment. So when you come into a Learning to Live course, you know, it's going to assess where, where are you in terms of what you understand about the material beforehand and then how much you understand in what, when you leave that class. It, you know, it's not a whole lot different than like when you're, if you're taking a college course or something like that. You go in there, you probably know very little. You leave and hopefully you know a lot. Now, we're not going to do an exam where you're getting a grade. Or it's, it's just in a self-check. It's a self-assessment because we're not, we're not, again, we're not comparing ourselves to anybody else, just within ourselves. Okay, so it's a personal evaluation about the revelation that God has brought in our own lives. So this is another facet of the first goal. Next, um, the second short-term goal is to really implement um, active learning strategies into learning to live courses. You've probably, if you've been in school, in college, you may have heard of the learning pyramid. And you know, the, the first five, four of these things are very passive. Like what we're doing today is really very passive. You're sitting and listening to me, right? Okay, and that, that's what you're doing. You're hearing a, le a well, so-called lecture. But you know, if you look at, uh, in terms of retention, those percentages have to do with retention of the material. So if you're hearing a lecture and reading the material, you're only, re you're only recapturing about 10%. That's, been, that's a proven fact. If there's audio-visual stuff that we try to do, maybe you will get 20. If there's demonstrations, it's like if I started doing cartwheels, you'd probably remember that more, okay? So you start growing, but I mean, those are all passive though. But as we start getting into practicing and start implementing more things where you're actively engaged in what's being taught, you know, if there's a question thrown out, whether you discuss it with another pe other people and you start formulating responses and, and then e even teaching others, that's where you really begin to learn the material. So that's what we want to get to. That's the goal. So let's go on to the next slide real quick. So examples of active learning. You can look at these in the internet. I'm not, I don't have time because we're running out of time here. I'm not going to go through all these. But, but it's, all these things are where we are active, you know, in, engaged, where you come together with people and you start, you know, you, you get a, a problem or you get a question and you, you formulate some strategies on how to answer that. How does it affect your life? What would you do under this situation? where we begin to put these things into the Learning to Live series where we're just not sitting and absorbing material all the time, okay? That's the whole focus here. So next slide, I think that might be it. So question really, the bottom line is there, how can you get involved? And, and so we're going to need people to help develop and implement active learning strategies into these courses. That's going to be a big effort. But I think it's important because that's really how we grow. That's how we're going to grow. And we need people willing to help teach and implement these new strategies in learning to live. Many of you, I believe, that are called, that are gifted teachers that can do this. Uh, we need a few people to help with the web-based 
uh, growth surveys, if you feel inclined to help with that. Um, that would be awesome. And we also need people to help develop self-assessment surveys for the Learning to Live courses, the before and after. And again, these are all uh, course-specific. So we're going to need people in all of these things. So if you feel like God's touching your heart, um, you'd be certainly welcome to come and talk to me or any of the other elders about that. So anyway, that's, that's kind of an overview of where, where growing's at and where we're, we're headed. So anyway, um, Mitch, you have anything you want to... Yeah, really just in closing, just want to just thank uh, the growing team for just really walking that out. And all the teams, you know, you'll be hearing from the next, uh, the connecting team, giving team the next couple weeks. But ultimately, our heart is really, I, I love this scripture in Colossians 1. It says, we proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and woman, teaching every man and woman with all wisdom, so that we may present every man and woman complete in Christ. I mean, ultimately, growing, giving, connecting are only creating this environment where you're uh, being complete in Christ. And so uh, I know it's late. I really just want to pray over us. Can we just stand and um, really just want to pray kind of that what Janelle said. I just I really appreciate I know that we've been doing um, really team teaching for, I don't know, the last month or two. And it's just been amazing. I love the different facets of the body how they walk together, how they encourage one another, how they complement one another, how they build upon, just as Chris was talking about with the stones. You just fit, and, and the body fits. And so I just want to pray this over us as we're going, um, really just be in this position to receive. So, Lord, I just want to I just thank you for each one that's shared today. I thank you for time just bringing this facet of growing. God, it's so important in our lives that we grow, that we're not stagnant, that, Father, that we don't strive to grow, but, Lord, that we walk in this place of really submitting ourselves to this process of being refined and, and, and sculpted, and, and, Lord, just all those, you know, those visions that we saw today, but even just ultimately that, God, that we would just yield to this process of just saying yes to you, God, not, not striving after our own measurement or comparing with somebody else, but God, just really seeing, God, just your heart for each individual as we walk this growth process out with one another, encouraging one another, building one another up. And Father, I pray this, uh, Lord, I pray that uh, just even that picture that Janelle spoke, God, I just pray right now, God, that if any of us are in those cages, the Lord of this life, or maybe it was Tammy's word of where we've just kind of been on the outskirts, or maybe we kind of dipped our toes into the, the little facets of God, maybe in the, the, the waiting just in just a little bit in our feet, but God, you're calling us out to the deep, you're calling us to grow, you're calling this body to grow and mature to the full stature God, just as Jim declared, God, just each individual facet of the glory of God that's in you, God, I pray that would come forth and that would you individually would each grow. And as each of you grow, God, I just thank you that this body is going to grow because there's going to be no, Lord, just people will break down the walls to try to figure out what, how are these people growing? How are they walking in that maturity? How are they seeing the glory of God in that way? And so, Lord, I pray that over each of us. Pray right now in Jesus' name. Just receive that. Just receive that, just that place of just really being released to grow. God, I just thank you for that. I bless you for that. And we just rejoice in that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.